a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. To see, to see the face of God is to be destroyed. So God now veils himself in, in the flesh and blood of Jesus. And he uses that, those means, namely his flesh and his blood, his life and, and his death, he uses those means to save us. And when we were baptized at the font with God's name placed upon us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, with the sign of the cross being placed upon our forehead and our hearts marking as ones redeemed. We were adopted as sons of God. Uh, I think... Oh, huh? 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 Oh, oh. Are we doing the show now? Is the theme over? There are pros and cons of doing a recording in the presence of Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. A pro would be that uh, he is restricted from his computer and cannot uh, be accessing uh, Facebook and his email uh, during this. I got my telephone here working oh, no. just fine. I didn't say... Uh, the con, though, is that uh, you actually have to look at them. <laughs> but I have to say, uh, two black guys helps. <laughs> trying yeah, to, trying broken to... nose. We're in studio. This is the first time I've actually seen how much fancy radio stuff we have for our show. <laughs> this is pretty nice. I like watching the little doodads go up and down when I say something there on the computer screen. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Oops, I said that too loud. <laughs> All right. <laughs> This is going to be disaster. Jane, don't worry about the treadmill. Um, <laughs> we got an email from Jane. Yeah, we're going to be reading some emails uh, after we do some buzzwords, and then we're playing some Bible B. Yeah, and I, right. I don't know how you're going to do that without your handy dandy concordance. Yeah, so. I know. I'm. 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 Uh, I got half my orthodoxy and tools tied behind my back today. But I am an organ now for uh, my brother's wedding, which is tomorrow. So Pastor Gagline over here is going to do the wedding. That's fantastic. Yes. Just fantastic. I'll be able to seek revenge for uh, from you um, during the sermon for anything you said during the anniversary banquet. I so. noticed now, too, being here at your house, that there's just a lot of empty space. There's just <laughs> there's place for, for more people to, to be living here. I, <laughs> so, anyways, well, we, we wanted who wants to, to date a pastor we, hotline is now wide open. No, no, I was going to say that, uh, you know, uh, supplemental income for the church. We start reading out of the, the other rooms and... <laughs> No, no, look, you need to think bigger, more long-term arrangement here. I'm sure I am uh, just fine. Uh, all right, let's uh, dive into You're the buzzwords. You're going to pay special then. attention tomorrow when they're throwing the bouquet. <laughs> yeah, the pastor dives in for the steal. <laughs> whoever catches it just... The pastor's uh, boxing out and then goes up for the rebound. Whoever, whoever gets the bouquet, you can say, well, what do you think about that sermon? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great pickup line. Yeah. Hey, did you like the sermon? <laughs> There's more where that came from. <laughs> All right. Oh, we have my dad in studio too. We should mention that, yeah. so no one will be listening to the show because Dad's in studio. Yeah, he won't have to listen to it later. Yeah, I know. All right. Well, I guess we'll broadcast the dead air anyway. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's go to some buzzwords. Uh, my theological buzzword for you, Pastor Wolfmuller, is immutability. And uh, this is the uh, attribute of God that says that God does not change. And this is a uh, a, a attribute of God that gives us uh, comfort, um, because when we read in Holy Scripture what um, who the Lord is and w- and what He does, um, that 
that God is love, and so that we know that doesn't change. You know, it's 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 kind of funny. This, so many of these other uh, religions, like Mormonism, uh, is big in the news right now because of uh, presidential candidate Mitt Romney. Um, and Mormonism is one of those religions that has changed their doctrines with every every you know, wind of change. Uh, so as they have a particular position on, uh, for example, uh, a particular African race, and then that position becomes politically incorrect, so they change the position. Uh, but we don't have that here in Christianity because we have uh, this doctrine of um, that or this attribute that God is immutable, which means He doesn't change. So what He has revealed to us through Holy Scripture. Um, is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Nice. My buzzword for you is mandatum scribendi, which I think is Latin, and I think it means the <laughs> mandate to write. Now, the old uh, the old Bible scholars would talk about the mandatum scribendi coming to the to the prophets and apostles, in, in in that they wrote down what they wrote down because they had a command to write it down. So you see, in a lot of the prophetic calls, this thing happening where the Lord says, "Now go and write that down." Uh, the the one that comes to mind most famously is the Job 19 one where Job says, Oh, that my words were written, that they were inscribed with a metal pen, a steel pen on a rock, etc. So, uh, But you see that throughout the scriptures, the mandatum scribendi, the command that the prophets and the apostles have to write down the scriptures. All right. We haven't had that one, have we? No. And uh, Mandatum scribendi. I think I'll notice when you say <laughs> I was going to say, it's going to be a tough one to squeeze into. I mean, I, I use that phrase in my natural conversation anyway, but now that you have pointed it out, it's going to be tough to use it uh, without you noticing. Well, we're going to spend... Mandatum um, scribendi. We actually took last week off uh, on Table Talk Radio. Oh. Um, I was out of town. So we have some emails piling up. We're going to spend a couple segments uh, looking at the emails. And then um, and then uh, dive into some Bible B, uh, but let's hit the uh, voicemail first before we get to the emails. Right. Sound good? Hi, this is your 15-year-old friend again, Isaiah uh, from Iowa. Uh, I was just calling uh, the recently, and uh, especially in Bible study, we've had some interesting conversations about Holy Communion. Um, uh, our pastor has written a paper for a conference he was going to, and so we've been kind of discussing some things frequently. Um, and uh, he brought up, and this is probably a little Lutheran inside base, but uh, he uh, said uh, something about uh, bringing a card or uh, something along that line when you uh, took communion at another church. And uh, he, he also said something else that that uh, I thought, well, that's, that's kind of interesting, but I guess it's right. Um, uh, he said you really shouldn't commune at another church uh, and uh, you kind of explained it with uh, your pastor, your home pastor is called your shepherd, the one to shepherd you and uh, that was kind of an interesting uh, concept, I hadn't hadn't thought of that before Uh, so I'd be interested to hear what you say uh, Pastor Wolfmail and uh, also Pastor Gegrein's uh, uh, comments Uh, uh, both of you are uh, it's a great show. Um, I enjoy it. Uh, thanks. Bye. Thanks to our 15-year-old uh, listener there for, for the question at uh, 1-800-385-SOLA. All right. So it's, it's 1-800-385-SOLA. That's the question line. 1-800-385-SOLO is the who wants to date a pastor line. we got to get that thing rolling. Yeah, go ahead and just call in if you don't make it through, I'm sure <laughs> everything's okay. 
Uh, all right, so uh, <laughs> the first thing is the card. Well, uh, have you heard of this before, having, having a card? Dad you know? knows something about this. They used to have cards or tokens for going to communion. They used to produce these things. This is when communion in, um, in American Lutheranism, especially in the West, was a rare thing. It would be maybe four times a year, and it would be that whole week would be getting ready for it. So you'd go and you'd talk to the pastor, you'd catch up on things, etc., and he'd give you a coin or a token, and then when you came to communion on Sunday, you'd give that coin to the usher as you went up to the altar, uh, that sort of thing. Now, uh, uh, apparently when that uh, became, became to come unraveled was when the telephone was installed in church offices, so that instead of going down to meet with the pastor face-to-face, they would uh, the people would call up and say, hey, pastor, I'm going to be in church tomorrow, so... Uh, the the whole system began to unravel. But you know this distinction between um, this idea of communing only at your home church? The Southern Baptists have this distinction, and it's the distinction between close and closed communion. And, uh, uh, you know, we use those words interchangeably. Well, the reason why we in the Missouri Synod use the word close communion is because we think it sounds more friendly. It's kind of ridiculous. We don't even know that it's a real thing. Uh because the idea uh, in the um, in the Southern Baptist Church, this distinction between can you commune at other Southern Baptist churches or can you only commune at your own home church? And that was their original doctrine. And that's the idea of close communion, that you only commune at your original home church. I might double-check that. I don't have my computer to ask people on Facebook if that's true. But, <laughs> uh, so they make that distinction. Now, we say that what is... Um, while it's good that pastoral care accompanies the Lord's Supper, there are circumstances where you are not where you're traveling or whatever, and you're not at your uh, altar, but you do have theological doctrinal fellowship. And in that case, we have this thing where we say someone is a, a member in good standing, uh, and that what that does is that gives them access to the Lord's Supper wherever they might be. And that, I think, is a very good and biblical understanding of things. As people would visit other churches, uh, they would bring greetings from their home church and from their home pastor, and they would worship with them as well. And to experience the fellowship in all the churches, even from town to town, is a picture that we see in, in Acts and in Paul's epistles and things like this. Well, you know, uh, I, I think, though, that, that the uh, caller's pastor has at least a point here in, t- in talking about the responsibility a shepherd has for his sheep. And um, I was told um, about a, from a pastor friend of mine that, uh, he went to a conference, and in the communion statement, um, it, it did not say you must be a, a member of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, but it says something to the effect of, uh, "Who is your pastor, and does he know that you're here?" Huh. So, uh, so you know, sometimes we we start to just um, minimalize this whole closed communion discussion as, "Are you a member of the LCMS?" Um, and uh, this individual LCMS may not really confess. What it is the LCMS confesses. So that's an issue too. We'll get hits at a commercial break. We'll be right back with more emails. For those times when you just want to be alone, this is Table Talk Radio. And we're back on Table Talk Radio. Well, Pastor, you have anything else yeah, uh, on that? Communion? This is, I think, a fantastic um, conversation. I, I've been thinking about this a bit lately, is that not only does every Christian need a church, but every Christian needs a pastor. 
so so the idea that there is pastoral care accompanied with the Lord's Supper is good. Now, uh, and this card idea or a letter idea is a way of talking about it, uh, that the pastor would send the family away and say, hey, I know you'll be traveling. Um, here's my commendation to the my brother pastor in the office so that he knows that you're under pastoral care. Would you come to him and, and come to the Lord's Supper? It's it's kind of a cool idea. The more we can talk about this sort of stuff, the better. So, uh, you know, I always appreciate people come to town and they'll send me an email or a note or leave me a message um, Friday, Saturday. Hey, um, Pastor Wolfmuller will be in town. We don't want to surprise you at the altar. So you're walking down and you're giving the Lord's Supper to people, and all of a sudden, oh, what are you, you know, what are you doing here? Especially as two black guys from the broken nose. I mean, no, that, I'm not talking just, about surprising. Surprise. <laughs> I look, by the way, incredibly tough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Someone said, what happened? Uh, you, you'll probably never do that again. And Carrie says, that's right, he never will. <laughs> the, the, I think the funniest thing about all this is, um, I mean, I was going to say when I saw you, um, that, that's what the, the glove is for. I mean, that's what the baseball mitt is for. But then I learned where the, the softball came from. Yeah, my own bat. <laughs> that's why it had enough velocity to break my nose. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if you know, but that's supposed to go towards the the other players. Yeah, yeah. S- s- Send it away from the plate. Yeah. All right, uh, let's uh, look at our next email. Oh, I got an email from Jane. Of Jane's treadmill warning fame. <laughs> Hello, it's Jane from Ontario, Canada, the one who usually is on the treadmill. Just want to let you know that I went off the treadmill and decided to train outdoors for a spring half marathon. I've always trained in the past with a friend or running group, but this is the first time I did training alone or just to make it theological, sola. It can be difficult to get motivated to run those raw, long runs sola, so I decided to listen to Table Talk Radio podcasts. Then it would be almost like running with friends. Now, I seriously need that I know that I need more friends. True, Jane. <laughs> you know, as people reflect on the fact, this is an aside, people reflect on the fact that they're Table Talk Radio listeners, it leads to this deep place of understanding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm embracing my solitude. Anyhow, there's kind of a Buddhist meditative sort of thing to listening to Table Talk Radio. All alone in the world. <laughs> Just like the whales. <laughs> For the race today, I decided that during the race I would listen to a new Table Talk Radio podcast. And then one that I had previously listened to. I figured the pain of re-listening to a broadcast would distract me from the pain of running the race. I must say it worked. I ran the whole thing with a faster time than predicted. Thank you, pastors, for your ongoing mediocrity. Jane, listener number 11. You're welcome, Jane. You're going to see the picture of that Jane at the finish line with her, you know, yeah. agonized look on her with face. Oh. Earbuds in and, and uh, iPod in hand. Jane, if you could send us a picture of that, that'd be great. I uh, just sent, uh, I guess, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Yep. yep so, all right. Good. Another email then? Uh, yeah. So here, here's one. I found one. <laughs> just laying around here. This is from Brandon. Uh, Dear Table Talk Emotional Manipulators, thank you for the airtime on show 206. What show is this number, by the way? 216. Oh, it was. I was amazed that my email was replied to in between emails from such dedicated listeners such as the OCB, the official Calvinist blogger, and Pastor Charmley, who we noted we haven't heard from in a while. Anywho, I have a question. I was talking to an atheist, and he was insisting that homosexuality isn't a choice, that you are born with it. He also started stated that many animals have been recorded as being homosexual. Therefore, it's natural, and it's wrong to call it a sin. 
Can you talk about this? Oh, and one last thing. Why must you constantly declare your show to be mediocre? I think that all your listeners, not including Calvinists, will agree that your show is, in <laughs> fact, very funny and marvelously educational. I like that word, marvelously. marvelously. <laughs> and I thank you for that, Brandon. All right. Well, to his question, I think, um, I wonder if this has something to do with just the overwhelming um, uh, theological strain of Arminianism that, that runs rampant. Because uh, we have uh, reduced ourselves to the notion that um, if you're going to sin, it must be by your choice. Right. So now uh, we've held to that if homosexuality is a sin, it's because you're choosing to do it. Um, and then you have all these people who are born into sin and have inclinations towards this, these sinful desires, and they are throwing up their hands saying, I can't help it. I don't want this. I don't choose this. This is just my attraction. This is, this is uh, they say, uh, uh, who I am. And so then the conclusion is, because I'm not choosing it, it can't be a sin. It must be who God made me. That's, right. that's the line of logic. Right, right. That's really – I'm going to come at it from a different direction, but I think it probably is the same thing, and, and that is that um, uh, that that a thing doesn't become a sin uh, – uh, sorry, uh, this, this is the, the, the kind of Disney uh, teaching. So the, let me back off the sin thing. This is the Disney teaching that you have to follow your heart. So if there's an inclination in your heart – it can't be wrong to follow it. You just mm-hmm. have to go with those impulses, which is th- these things are probably related to one another because what you end up what you end up concluding is that if something is natural, then it's not a sin, or something is inherent, then it's not a sin, which is, is not something that the Bible says. The Bible says that that, that, that all of creation is fallen. So that, to look at something and say, oh, it's natural, it's not a sin, does not follow, right? Right. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's weird. It's it's a strange thing when we start to look to the animal kingdom for our to kind of learn our morality. And we're like, hey, I saw the, you know, the praying mantis eating its babies, so abortion is, must be okay. I mean, it does not follow that because an animal does it, um, that it's right. But look, this is the trouble: is that with evolution, is you don't have any other you don't have any other standard. Now, what we want to say about this, though, I think to be to be very clear is that um, it could be true, and I don't know the difference, but it could be true that someone is born with a particular inclination towards a particular kind of lust, be it uh, that a, a, a person has a, has a, a lust for the, for the person of their same gender. Um, it could be that a man or a woman is born with a particular uh, kind of strong lust for even someone of, of the opposite um, uh, sex or whatever that is. But just because you're inclined to do it doesn't mean that you should. I mean, just because you, you're born with an inclination to a particular sin doesn't mean it's okay for you to commit that sin. Uh, just like if someone is born greedy, and this is always the example, someone's born greedy, but that doesn't mean it's okay for them to go around greeting, uh, that they should have a greed pride day and thing and all wear green shirts and march down the street or whatever I mean, this is, it does not follow that because you have a natural inclination to do something that that is right in fact that's what makes human morality uh so unique and exceptional among that we are not just instinct with fur and teeth i mean that's what that's what the animal kingdom is we that we are not animals and, and for an atheist to argue for a kind of an animal sexuality is um, is not, I don't think, helpful for them uh, or for the argument. 
Uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. Uh, I think um, I mean I wonder if if there is a connection between uh, the overwhelming opinion of of our genesis being from evolution than to say, hey, look, look at the animals. What, I mean, what are the animals doing? Uh, therefore, if the, if the animals are doing it, then this means that it is natural and normal. Um, although I, I have to point out, though, that um, for the for the Christian worldview, we look at the animals and say, "Hey, look, animals are in this fallen creation as well." Yeah, I mean, right. the right. the animals are not free from uh, from the sin of this world either. So right, right. And every time a bee bites you, it should remind you. I mean, yeah, we, <laughs> we are, you know we have this kind of uh, this uh, 20th century advantage of talking about how how uh, good nature is. We we never actually had to live out in it. You know, we never had oceans swallowing up our uh, friends as they tried to cross over it or, or lions going and devouring people in the street you know we're mm-hmm. uh, oh nature's so nice because you got your uh you know whatever you got your fleece and your hiking boots and off you go in, in your camper for three days yeah Boy. well one more thing on that before we move on to the next email because uh i mean this this probably goes without saying but we need to say it <laughs> that uh we then look to holy scripture to know to know these things right if we have fallen into this trap that we um, should be just be loving to others, and and that standard then is to never confront someone with the hard teachings of Holy Scripture. If we have fallen into that trap, then we can never actually uh, bring that hard word. So so Holy Scripture says that this is a sin, but that's kind of unloving to tell someone that they're in sin. So let's just avoid it or, or accept them as they are. If we have fallen into that trap, then God's word has nothing to say to our lives. That means that the resurrection of, of Jesus, uh, his love for us, um, also has nothing to say if we ignore the, the law uh, in the scripture as well. Yeah, that's right. So when you see someone who's, who's grasped onto a sin as if they need no repentance we see that that grasping onto the sin has cut them off from the gospel, and that is the most horrible thought of all. I mean, we want to we want to be able to look at something as a sin and and declare it plainly to be sin so that we can declare plainly that that sin is forgiven and covered by the blood of Jesus. All right, we have uh, about 30 seconds here. Well, let me read this and we'll get to it. Brian wrote twice to the manly doctors about discussing this topic, the Christian's response or responsibility to impenitent loved ones. My email has gone unanswered, probably due to their worse-than-table talk radio show prep. <laughs> My email below explains what I'm getting at. Very personal question. Uh, what? Uh, how do we talk about un, uh, bat- with baptized believers who, uh, who are living or giving tacit approval to our loved ones' sins when they're when they don't talk about the temporal consequences, how might Matthew 18 be understood in times like this? All right, let's go to a break, and we'll respond to that right after this. Table Talk Radio. You're laughing too, right? Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Okay, this this is a tough question uh, that Dustin brings to us. Yes. Um, so that uh, 
A prophet is never accepted in his hometown. Yeah, that's right. How do you talk to family members about their sin? Skipping church, shacking up, whatever it is. Woo! Yeah. Especially if you're a pastor. Yeah. Well, uh, so I, I think, I mean, th- this is part of our responsibility as Christians, though. I mean, um, when we see our our, our brother uh, who is in sin, um, that, that we do have an obligation to talk to them and to uh, confront them about the sin. You know, th- these verses are always brought up out of context, you know. Uh, oh, uh, take the speck out of your own eye, or, uh, you know, you shouldn't judge. Um, but, but you know, when Jesus is, is, is speaking to the Pharisees there, he is not saying that, that uh, we never confront our brother because of their sin. But he's saying that we should ourselves be ones of repentance. And, and so the Pharisees would, would be quick to go out and say, hey, look, you're not doing something right, when they themselves are, are not uh, repentant before the Lord. Uh, so what Jesus would have us do is be we ourselves be ones of repentance, saying, pleading before the Lord, I, uh, uh, asking for the Lord, uh, His mercy and His grace, uh, and then we can go to our go to our brother and say, uh, brother, uh, this is uh, this is a sin with what you're doing, and and you need to repent. Right. It's the tricky thing is that how do we come uh, uh, in in preaching the law? How do we come alongside someone rather than from the top? You know because. You, uh, a person's conscience is going to be in one way or another defensive, either from the law or whatever. So, so, so you come from above, and it's and it's almost immediately rejected as a as a as a judgmental. Uh, why don't you love me? Sort of thing. Uh, it, when we want, what we want to do when we, especially with family members, is come from the side or from below even with a with a great deal of humility and concern and love. But it is often rejected, you know. The, the devil sets up these barriers, which is terrible to see, is that the person that goes to church now becomes the, oh, the, the kind of family prophet. And you go to try to, you go to, try to say something, and it's, um, oh, well, here, you know, here, comes, uh, here comes the pastor. Mm-hmm. Are you my pastor? Uh, this kind of thing. Um, uh, and, and so it, it's rejected. So we always want to remember that the command to love uh, while it does include uh, teaching the law and t- speaking of repentance, it also includes other things like being nice. Yeah, yeah, uh, that is that is hard. Um, and there, you know, there's a gentleness and a kindness in the scriptures, and we read about it all the time in the Bible about the Lord's kindness towards us and about our kindness and gentleness with one another. But we always, I mean, seemingly forget this that kindness is commanded for us as well. So that we we always have a voice of kind and gentleness when we go. Uh, in in fact, uh, when Paul and I think this is in James too. When Christians are sent to correct and rebuke other Christians, they are sent to do it with kindness and with gentleness, so that we always want to, you know. And I, I don't know how to, how you get there except for by praying, Lord, uh, please teach me what it is to be kind to my to my family here, uh, as I try to help them see that they're on a destructive path. Right. I think there is a temptation because um, uh, we we as as new. As, as a new creation, uh, people made new in, in holy baptism, and we want to flee from sin. There isn't a t- temptation when our family members are, are caught up in the sin that we would want to just flee from them. We just want to uh, uh, you know, ostracize them. And so we have this passage in Matthew 18 when Jesus says that if they refused to listen even to the church, to treat them as as a, a 
tax collectors or pagans. Is that what it says? Tax collectors or sinners, yeah. Or sinners, yeah. And uh, and so you know, s- certain theological thoughts like the Amish have have derived this idea of shunning from from this. You know, okay, get, get them out of here. They they have they haven't listened to the church. Um, but how is it that uh, our Lord would have us treat uh, Gentiles and tax collectors? Yeah, with kindness. Yeah, the, with, with that, the they, that they would be the object of of our evangelism. That's right, uh, and so uh, that that's true too. I mean, the, 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 when our Lord says that someone is caught up in sin and refuses to repent, we we never are 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 given the command to ostracize and, and to keep them away, um, but rather um, to bring them this word of God, and that is that does come by this uh, hard preaching of the law, but to do so in a way that um, it is uh, kindness possible, I guess. Right. Are you ready for some Bible B? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. Now that we got that question hammered out, unlike the God Whispers who never got to it. Yeah, that's right. Well, <laughs> God Whispers. It's easier to get to emails when you have three listeners. <laughs> We've answered everybody's question. Yeah. <laughs> no question has gone unanswered now. All right, let, I'll give you first round. Are you ready for round one? I'm of Bible? ready. I'm ready. How this works, by the way, is we read... Uh, passages from from Holy Scripture. You get three verses in round one, one verse in round two, and one word in round three. And then the uh, the contestant here has to determine what book of the Bible this comes from, uh, and also uh, also uh, law gospel here too. Why don't um, Why don't you go first? Because I just noticed an error on the uh, the sheet that I have here. Oh, you did? Yeah. Go ahead. Why don't all you, right, why don't you right. go first? All right. Here it is. Ready? Mm-hmm. For this reason. We also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, but ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Okay, this is, uh, hmm, I'm leaning towards one of the uh, New Testament epistles. Uh, this kind of has that ring to it. Um, boy, I don't know that it, I mean, I guess it could be Paul. I mean, I don't, it doesn't sound like um, Ephesians or Galatians or some of those Pauline texts. I wonder if you're reading from one of these other uh, epistles. Um, although it doesn't really sound like First, uh, Second, or Third John or, or early Peter either. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that it's probably Pauline, and um, just guess from here on out that this is from the book of Philippians. Oh, close! It's Colossians. Oh, chapter one, verse nine to twelve. I gave you four verses, by the way. All right. I should I should have written uh, read the next verse. He delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the yeah. kingdom of His Son of His love, in whom we have redemption of the blood, the forgiveness of sins. Beautiful that, text. That would have given given it up. Um, I think, uh, well, can you read it again for Law Gospel? Yeah, yeah. For this reason, we, since the day we heard it, don't cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of him, of his will, and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and longsuffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Okay. I'm going to say this is gospel um, because uh, we do these things not by uh, our striving to do them, 
we, we do them because we've been enlightened by the Holy Spirit. We've been uh, given faith. We've been given the grace and mercy of God. Uh, and and this is, um, I, I mean, it, it, it's fascinating. I was reading through um, the uh, apology uh, the other day on uh, Article 5, and there's this discussion going on um, about where do where do good works fit in, and right. how, how do good works uh, come to be? Yes, yes. And uh, and and the the Lutherans just keep coming back and saying, "Hey, look, if they would say that this is comes out flows from faith, we would have no problem." But they just can't, they just cannot say that these good works flow from faith. I know it's crazy. So. All right, so gospel is that right? I would say I would say so. Although there's this discussion of good works and works of service, etc., which has to be even though it is for the redeemed, it has to be law. Uh, but it is law that follows the gospel. What sometimes is casually referred to as the third use. Uh, but there is, uh, but it's true. I think there's so. I think there's probably both law and gospel in the text working there. Um, but the gospel is what's driving these good works, which is beautiful, just beautiful. All right. Well, do I get points for that? Or no, what? you didn't. You got the you got the book wrong. Oh, and and we and we're playing this game. <laughs> you remember? Out you? of bitterness, that <laughs> <laughs> you out of bitterness. You're the one that changes the rules, so I never win. <laughs> I like it better when we have a we have a, a guest on to play Bible B. <laughs> I bet you do. All right. Are you ready for I'm ready. round one? Okay. Here it is. If a trumpet is blown in a city, will it not the people tremble? If a calamity occurs in a city, has not the Lord done it? Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? Oof, okay. Uh, that, now that's, uh, that's, that's Old Testament, Old Testament. <laughs> Uh, prophetic as well. Um, now, this lion roaring is a theme that runs through the minor prophets. It's at the end of Micah. It comes up also in uh, Hosea, but but it comes up about four or five times in the book of Amos. A lion roaring, uh, and I think that then is going to uh, and and the lion there is the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's it's uh, it's the Lord. So I'm going to guess the book of Amos. Is that your final answer? It is. All right. Uh, is he correct? We'll find out after this break. <laughs> That's killing me. You are going to wait through the break. <laughs> You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We're going to find out if Pastor Wolfinger got that first round of Bible B correct, guessing the book of Amos right after this. Visit tabletalkradio.org, and we'll be right back after this. The low budget alternative to staring at the wall. This is Table Talk Radio. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, and Joel. If a trumpet is blown in a city, will it not the people tremble? If a calamity occurs in a city, has not the Lord done it? Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? Where is that from, Pastor Wolf? Amos. Prophet Amos. That is correct. Amos. Chapter 3. I didn't know the lion roaring would be a giveaway. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's right there. It's right in chapter one, the lion roars. It's just maybe, maybe that uh, who's the professor who did the commentary on Amos? <laughs> Amos? Uh, Lessing, Doctor Lessing, yeah. came out to our pastors' conference last year and talked to, and his theme was the lion roars. Uh-huh. That might be why I noticed that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, the score is one hundred. Oh, law gospel. Oh yeah. Now uh, you better read it again. Oh, this man. is this is going to be mostly law in Amos. Mostly law. Uh, the gospel in Amos is a rare guest, but it comes up in chapter nine towards the end, where the Lord says, "Now all this destruction." It's for your good because I'm still going to send Jesus. Uh, but I, I mean, I could just guess mostly that this this roaring lion is the preaching of the law. And you would you would think that too because if you're just standing there and a lion starts to roar, <laughs> that's really the sense of you're going law. So a lion roars and and we play law and or gospel. <laughs> that's right. The lion roaring is generally going to be gospel. I mean, the only way the lion roaring is going to be uh, gospel is if you have a pet lion <laughs> standing between you and some thugs i know it's, want to steal your stuff have you ever uh, since you're out here in oregon have you been to that uh, wildlife refuge place out here no they no, go there it's, it's, uh, it's pretty faith lutheran that's <laughs> pretty cool they got all these animals but you go there and it's a guided tour and the one thing you'll take away is don't mess with wild bees because they like make you feel guilty because Oh, this would be out in the wild. Except someone took care of it and fed it, and now it can't survive anymore. <laughs> now it has to live here in a cage for the rest of its life. Yeah, that's right. Oh, man. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't feed the bears. <laughs> they will end up in a box. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you'll get uh, 100 points for round one, 200 what? points for Log Gospel. I'm destroying you. 300 points. No way. Here's my comeback. Go ahead. Okay. Round two. One verse. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Okay, uh, again, New Testament, um, and again, an epistle sounds very Pauline. Um, now, this theme of... Um, read it one more time for me. Okay. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ, for the sake of his body, which is the church. Yeah. Um, yes, his body and the church is a major theme that comes in Corinthians. Uh, if memory serves, I believe that's 1 Corinthians. Um so I think I'm going to go with that. Uh, what is First Corinthians? <laughs> no. Sorry, this is the epistle of Paul uh, to the saints in Colossae. Again? Or Colossians again. <laughs> Colossians chapter I know why you're one doing again. This. I know why you're doing why? this. Why? Because last time we played Bible B, I got the one word clue from Colossians. You did? And you were all, bit, you were all mad that I, I, <laughs> I got it. And now you're just setting out to show that I don't know Colossians. No, no. I didn't even remember that, but I'm sure... <laughs> Maybe my subconscious is that tricky. Uh, well, you want to do a little law and gospel? I fill up in my flesh what's lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Now, there's a verse to tackle. Uh, what is lacking in what? In my, uh, let's see. What is lacking in the afflictions of Christ? Um, okay, so I think what here Paul is saying is that uh, he is... 
uh, he is he, he himself is afflicted, but he he sees this as now a um, this suffering as as a uh, as a I don't want to say gift, I guess, as a a task of of a Christian. Right. Um. The suffering for the Christian is law and gospel. We certainly suffer because of sin in this world. There's no doubt about that. Um, but in suffering, we have a great, uh, a great promise that our Lord has not left us, and that uh, it's really in suffering that we see that our, our Lord loves us. I mean, you would look at the cross and see um, uh, a rabbi there who's bloody and gory, and you would you would conclude that God has left him and cares nothing for him. But what is actually going on when we have this revelation from Holy Scripture? What is actually going on is that He is redeeming the world, winning salvation, and bringing Him back to Him, bringing uh, fallen creation back to Himself, forgiving sins. And so now, in in for the Christian, as He suffers, uh, yes, suffers um, in this because of sin in this world. But um, we look to that same cross and we see, oh yes. Uh, the, the beloved Son of God suffered, and so we, as baptized Christians, also suffer in this world. So law and gospel. Right, that that's one. right. Uh, taking up your cross, see, and the cross, which is for the the Christian, our, our suffering is called a cross, which is the, the cross is then our greatest joy. Uh, so you're 100% right, but no points. That's okay. I'm not a, I'm not a, I don't have a idolatry for table deck radio points like you do. Are you ready for round two? <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Uh, round two. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Ah, now we get another Pauline <laughs> text. I like what I have to, like to say, Polish. It's Polish. It's Pol- Polish? Po- Polish. <laughs> it's Pol- that sounds very Polish. Uh, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the beginning of one of Paul's letters, I believe. So chapter one, I'll guess chapter one. <laughs> Oh, are we playing Chapter B? I didn't realize that. <laughs> Go on the grace and knowledge. It could be, um, hmm. I think this will be one of his. This will be one of his church epistles, not a pastoral epistle. So that narrows it down to ten Romans through Second Thessalonians. Um, I think I used to know this text, and I think it sounds something like uh, how Paul starts. It's not going to be Galatians, because Paul doesn't say anything nice in the <laughs> beginning of Galatians, so that narrows it down to nine. I think this sounds, though, like Philippians. I'm going to say Philippians. Is that your friendly? Yes. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Oh, and you are, you are wrong on so many accounts. <laughs> it's not even Pauline, and it's not at the beginning of a book. What is it? Uh, it is at the end of Second Peter. Oh, man. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Oh, Amen. Oh, man. Okay. 318. That's embarrassing. Yeah, I would be embarrassed. But you can play law gospel for fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus is gospel. I mean, hey, how come you didn't read the second half of the verse? It was the whole verse on To my him book. be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. I read that twice. Oh, you did? Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Someone wasn't listening. Trying to put on your listening ears. <laughs> I know. It's so hard standing here. i got to figure it out somewhere else to look. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's going to be gospel, by the way. Gospel. Right. 
All right, one word, one word round. All right, you ready? Ready. Hymenaeus. Colossians. <laughs> Good guess. It's First Timothy. <laughs> <laughs> I set you up. It was a long gambit, but it worked out just right. I know. I like. Okay, I can see what he's doing. Rounds one and two are gonna be. Uh, Colossians and something else the third round. But then I tried to do the reverse psychology. That's what he thinks I'm going to yeah, think. Yeah, that's right. And then <laughs> the double reverse psychology. Very tricky move. All right, you better give me the whole verse for Law Gospel. Uh, having, having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered, suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may, not, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Whoa. I'm going to say that's law. Yeah, sounds like <laughs> law to me. Sounds like law to me. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, uh, you ready for one? Your one verse? Yeah. How much time do we have left? Uh, about a minute or Whoa. two. Okay. Uh, all right. That's uh, what that big 2.03 means on the board there? The thing is, I forgot to start this at the beginning of the segment, so it's it's running a little late. Okay. So okay. just, yeah, just keep your eye on that. Uh, all right. Your one word is abort. Abort? Really? Mm-hmm. Is this only used once? One time. And I found though it's not used in the English Standard Bible, so if you're trying to cheat, it's not going to do much good. But it is in the New American Standard Bible. Abort. I'll bet you it's not talking about babies. Ab- abort means to end short. Uh, so, uh, you know, we talk about abortion um, now as the ending uh, sh- coming up short the life of a child in the womb uh, it almost means that now but we uh we have a different um you know there there's a so like uh the, our plan to make a good radio show was aborted <laughs> <laughs> kind of like abandoned ship sort of thing. uh which happened probably about 44 minutes ago for us <laughs> so i bet so this i bet this text is talking about something else being cut short and i bet new american standard i bet it's a narrative s- section i bet it's new testament in fact i bet it's probably exactly uh, uh, uh like the shipwreck of the faith abort abort pull up short Stop something in the middle of it, there, boy. I bet you this is the. I bet this is from the book of Jonah. Uh, no, I'll give you the whole verse. It's from Colossians. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> his ox mates without fail. His cow calves and does not abort. Oh man, it's from Job. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Job, it is. Job always well, gets me. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio, where the points are like the happy memory, childhood memories of my brother Thomas. <laughs> You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views Uh. expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.